Yo, Colin, it's Che. Just wanted to say thank you for the episode talking about uh, the war game you're playing. Thank you so much for talking about it. It got me really excited about maybe digging out my Warmaster stuff and looking at this set of rules because I love that scale and, uh, yeah, you just kind of reminded me that I have all that stuff. So I just want to say thanks because sometimes just someone out there having this little inspiration reminds me, you know, sort of talking about something they're enjoying reminds me of something that, you know, I haven't done for a very, very long while. And uh, as a war gamer, you know, it was just lovely to be reminded of that and to feel the enthusiasm that you had. So game on, man. Game on. Hello, I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Spike Pit. Yeah, the wargaming is back underway. I'm super enthusiastic about it. And it's funny how the smallest, the smallest little change can can have a big effect on some of the stuff you're doing. I talked about Dragon Rampant, and it's not actually a new game. It's it's been out for quite a while, I think. It's one of the earlier releases in the uh, Osprey War Game series. It's got me reaching for the paints. I've broke out the paints. I've been rebasing miniatures, getting getting my forces together, like I said, and funnily enough went up into the loft and as Che mentioned Warmaster was on my mind I've got a, a, a painted undead Warmaster force which in case you, you're a listener and you're not aware it's a, it's a, an old game of that Games Workshop put out well, back in the 90s late 90s perhaps can't recall might might have been um, might have been a bit later than that, but I really liked it. And funnily enough, some of the stuff going on in Dragon Rampant puts me in mind of Warmaster. The way you um, have activations, in particular, if you fail with those activations, you, you get a turnover and play passes to your opponent. I always liked that, thought it was interesting, and it's proving to be <laughs> uh, it's proving to be a, a little bit of a source of consternation for Sonny. I think when he he tries to do something a little bit tricky, he's got a, a, a shaman in his arm and he loves to cast this pretty powerful like um, lightning bolt thing. It's um a ranged attack that hits on a four which is really good most archers uh, need a five at 12 inches and a six from 12 to 18 inches whereas this is this is fours and fives it doesn't sound a lot but if you're in a if you've got an archer archers unit in a duel with the shaman you haven't got to be a mathematician to work out who's likely to win that. So I tend to put a bit of pressure on his his shaman with with this nasty spell. It's, it's like having a, a a pretty good piece of artillery nuking all my units, 
um, so I, I tend to try and take it out and of course once I start closing in on him pressuring that unit he's trying to trying to shoot that off and sometimes he, he doesn't think about his pr- priorities so the, the whole activation thing works you're rolling two dice and you need to hit you need to um, perhaps get a four or a five on two dice for a lot of your units to move them uh, normally a five some units are not so responsive they need a six but it, it but I haven't seen it much worse than that however he's trying to roll sevens to get this spell off and you know that that's a that's a very different proposition but yeah it's been fun so I, I've, I've windowed out a little bit I've derailed myself so I went up into the loft for the very purpose of digging out uh, a, a war master orcs and goblins army because I talked about the the flexibility for for the, like the miniatures that you can use and I think it'd be a pretty easy crossover to war master what you'd need to do is they come on little I think 40 mil by 20 mil bases with a couple of strips of figures on each base and I would use two of them and track damage with a d6 for each unit so a little d6 by the side of the unit and then or when you get down to half strength for a unit you take off one of those bases so immediately you you, you get some impression of what's going on I like the system for the reason that you've got this flexibility and there's that little bit of tinkering that I've, I've got accustomed to with RPGs. This led me on to thinking about ways that maybe I, I could make the dice work a little bit better for me. The first thing I did was, when we initially played, we just scrabbled together 12d6 and we were kind of handing them backwards and forwards across the table and it... It, it devolved into a bit of dice anarchy really and we lost time just counting dice and farting about pretty soon you realize that well we both need a set of dice you're better off using some kind of color coding so we had red team and blue team so 12 red d6 12 blue d6 little things like that that just kind of come about through play i don't I don't think you necessarily would have picked up something like that on the on a initial read through. I know I certainly didn't. Then you've got the old chestnut of, well, maybe we throw, we uh, use uh, dice cups, which is a bit of a wargamer thing, a wargaming club thing. Uh, in my experience, I've found that to be the case. Quite. Um, quite a good way to corral your dice so really you just store them in the dice cup invert the cup when it's when you want to make a roll gather them back in and it speeds up play you can kind of make dice rolls in advance just shake up the cup invert it leave it covered and then when you need a dice roll you 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 reveal the dice i don't know there's there's just (laughs) these little these little things fascinate me and I think it applies to other games I think you know you, 
your online play, you're looking for ways to make that smoother. Then there's how you, if you're writing RPGs and you're writing material, you're looking at ways to make it work better for the, the people trying to run run an adventure or play a system. It's it's this is it optimization, I guess. It's uh, an interesting topic, I think. Um, it puts me in mind of this idea that Games Workshop were always promoting the wider hobby. So you weren't just, it wasn't just about playing war games, really, it was about modelling the, 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 the terrain, building your, your army list, and kind of optimising your army list. And each time you played, a bit like in something like. Um, Magic the Gathering, you might go away and you you're constantly tinkering with your deck, trying to trying to improve it. And it was just the same for us as kids with uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battle. You know, you'd have this sort of spiral-bound notepad with loads of scribblings, writing out different army lists, calculating the points cost, shaving points off here and there to see if you could get something else. And you maybe would have um, um, a stable of different units, and then if you knew you were, if you knew you were going to be fighting a battle against dwarves, you'd have one army list, and then you'd have your army list optimized for fighting dark elves. And you know, this was all kind of part of the, the wider hobby that 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 kind of lonely fun idea. And painting your minis was one of the things I spent a lot of time on. And yeah, it's that tact—it's that tactile, visual spectacle. I feel that it, that draws me to the the miniature gaming sometime, and I, I parcel it away from my RPG. So this is why I—I'm um, not worried about minis in my RPGs because really, and I, I've definitely said this before, but that's that's where um, that's where the skirmish. Skirmish war games, and uh, that's where the skirmish games and the war games come in for me. But they are super time-consuming, and I thought RPGs were time-consuming. But if you've got to do all this stuff just to get to the table, yeah, that's that's pretty tricky. Of course, in my later years, I realised you could have just played these war games with post-it notes or um, index cards write your unit on an index card and away you go you could certainly do that for Dragon Rampant if you've got no miniatures and you kind of wanted to try out a game in fact when I initially played Warmaster I um, I went I went to the effort of making a chaos army out of little bits of cardboard labelled up all the different units and kind of almost used it as a way to construct armies I'd sit there shuffling these little bits of cardboard laying them out on the table in front of me looking at formations and, and, and points costs and I don't think I ever actually used them in anger uh, ended up with um, miniatures built up and painted the undead played with them and I never really even played Warmaster that many times. I feel like Arfed got a few more games in than me. And then we, we moved on to something else. 
I still got the rules. I'll, I'll have to dig. I'll have to dig it up. I'll have to dig it up and perhaps let you know how I get on. For anybody who's stuck around this far into the episode and is wondering, well, what has this dragon rampant got to do with an RPG podcast? And whilst I do talk about different things sometimes, on this occasion there is in fact a link. Quite often I don't always understand the link when I start talking about something, but as I'm reflecting on it, revisiting a topic I've talked about, which is this blending of war games and and bringing some war game elements into your RPGs. It's not a new thing. Um, It's not something I've done much of, but I, I actually think that Dragon Rampant might be um, might be a nice solution for those folk that that maybe want to fight a, a larger action in their games. So it'd be kind of tactical unit scale, not a grand strategy thing, and, and not really massive armies. But I think it might be quite a good way to. Perhaps do a raid on a village. The uh, the group of characters could just about function with with maybe a few hirelings. They would at this kind of dragon rampant or, or the typical dragon rampant scale. They would probably work as a unit, and then you've got a flexible in-game designations for the other NPCs and types of units that might crop up and they're pretty generic you've got all your all your kind of humanoids covered really Uh, organized humanoid armies that could are quite easily modeled by dragon rampant and it, it plays out in perhaps an hour hour and a half I thought also that you could, rather than play it as a actual tabletop war game using miniatures, you could quite easily put the game onto a grid, maybe a hex grid or a square grid. The grid could uh, maybe be each each hex or square represent three inches or one inch, possibly, in game terms, and I think you'd be good to go you could just use little tokens you could play it on um, some kind of whiteboard with a grid and 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 play online quite simply might not look very pretty or you could spend some time messing with it a little bit more but i think there's potential there so just in closing might be something i take a look at although there you know there's quite possibly better ways of doing it but I thought I'd just throw that in there because uh, I thought folk might be interested as far as miniatures it's great to hear you talk about miniatures I gotta admit aesthetics be damned I am a square base kind of guy I just think square bases tend to work easier for a game like you're talking about with um you know run with what you brung kind of you know whatever the miniature looks like is what it is I kind of like Song of Blades and Heroes by Ganesha Games, 
really super duper simple game. It uses measuring sticks. There's three different measuring sticks you use for distances. You can make them out of um, like pipe cleaners or something simple, but it, it works really well. Um, there's some other games I like too. That, that's my simplest as far as an entry-level game, what I like to introduce people. And they've got a ton of rule sets, everything from Ghostbusters to modern, you know, to the base set is fantasy to, you know, mutant, basically Gamma World, like post-apocalyptic mutants, you name it, they've got it. And, and yeah, so I think Initial Games does a really good job there for a basic, simple war game you can run with any kind of figures. Yo, what up, Colin? Awesome episode, man. That's dope that you're, you know, playing miniature games again with your kid again, you know. Like I've said before, I'll say it again. I wish my dad would have paid kind of any interest into the shit I was into other than football, which the only reason I was into playing football was because of him. But uh, yeah, as far as Games Workshop goes, one of my favorite YouTube dudes, Jim Murphy, been playing D&D since it came out. He's an old gray haired. He talked about it and he talked to one of those guys at Games Workshop back in the day. And they basically told him, because he was, you know, when he talked to him, he was probably in his 20s or 30s or whatever. And they told him, yeah, our business model isn't for you. It's for kids to spend their money. We don't care about you. So, (laughs) you know, take that for what it's worth, man. This episode's a bit of a strange beast. I didn't really know, if I'm honest, which way it was going to go. Would it be drive-by? Would it be into the pit? Don't suppose it really matters at the end of the day want to say thanks to the callers there you heard from Che Webster of Roleplay Rescue Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast and of course the unmistakable Joe Richter Hindsightless all talking about wargaming in one way or another to a greater or lesser degree and yeah um, I am enthusiastic I'm, I'm happy that you've recognised that, Che, and it's awesome to hear from folks that have took a little bit of inspiration, and and I think as a podcaster, that's all you can do, really. Try and be enthusiastic, try and be sincere, and hopefully some of that will rub off on others. It's trying to be positive and not get dragged down by all the negatives that are going on out there. Jason, nice suggestion. Thanks for that. I'll check it out and i know you're a, a big wargamer yourself and perhaps we will catch up one day on uh, some sort of tabletop simulator or something like that and joe yeah man i try my best i, I take being a dad very seriously and yeah my, my my dad did his best he got in strangely into some of um some of my hobbies as a kid in areas I wouldn't have expected him to. Like your dad, it seems. My dad was a sporty sort of person. And that, uh, that the team sports was not so much a thing for me. I was more into the outdoor pursuits. And, and we shared an interest in, in skiing and the outdoors to a certain extent. But he surprisingly took to figure miniature painting and modelling and gets involved in board games. So... Um, we've actually got a reasonable bit in common, but he's he's really um, budskies with my son Luca. Uh, they they've got a big common interest in golf, and it, it's nice to see my dad um, getting involved with the kids as well. 
but it, I think it, at times like um, we're experiencing at the moment family is more important than ever and that as they say is a wrap thanks to everybody who called in making this into the pit episode possible massive thanks to the pit crew my patrons over on spike pit patreon and last but not least a big thanks goes out to you the listener for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to old spike pit take care and i'll catch you later